0: He's got a bundle of great routines, and I love this one.
1: Here is George Carlin.
2: George? Uh, I've been watching
1: the Westerns. All of us have been watching Western movies, an endless stream of them for our entire lives, and I've noticed something about them. When the Westerns involve Indians... And sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's Brian Donlevy with a black hat and a crooked card game. When they involve Indians, the big scene always seems to be when the Indians finally attack the cowboys. We've been waiting for it throughout the entire movie. You can see them standing on the hill. And uh, that's the big scene, when they finally get to them. And you always see exactly how the cowboys prepare for this attack. Now pull them wagons around the circle. Get them old ladies up there loading up the weapons. Come on, now tear up their petticoats, use them of bandages. Get that water up there. Stand, stand, can't big hassle, we never see how the Indians prepare.
0: And it's
2: their attack,
0: right?
1: Now, the Indians were good fighters, just because they started in Massachusetts and wound up defending Malibu doesn't mean they
3: We really didn't play the game with them. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to
1: another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think.
3: Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10. We did not know
1: each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to
0: figure out what was
3: happening to us. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA.
0: It is because America has not invested in its people.
3: And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have
0: figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it.
3: If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen. Here we are
0: you're
2: wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Fellow Americans,
0: it's, it's time, time to speak out. out.
3: They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same.
2: When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them.
3: We call. We, call. We, call. We, call. we will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, yes we, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we
1: can. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down.
3: children were saved and their children's children generations were saved by one decision one person but changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it so what starts here can indeed change the world but the question is what will the world look like after you change it welcome to public public access America. america
0: make a stand i know i did thank you very much it's a small uh, uh it's a pretty small room isn't
2: it yeah it is it was full though you know but uh as you say uh, it's a, a it's a good for that reason i like them a little smaller as long as they're going to be nightclubs i
0: like them small yeah i've just been here once before uh to hear more it's all mm-hmm. uh, six months or something like that ago and uh sort of the same reaction i mean yeah. the same kind of you know some things would just completely die and other things right they're uh,
2: they're middle-class audiences. They, they're used to certain roles and attitudes and things both publicly and privately, and they're just stuck with that. That's really one of the things that all the whole thing is about, isn't it? Right. Uh, playboy. Yes. Maybe it's my plans. last saloon. Uh, according to my present plans, I might do Mr. Kelly's once or, or occasionally or something like that because it is small and you can feel free there. But uh, there aren't many, and, and I'm going to the campuses and to the coffee houses.
0: I know, I heard you uh, talk about that on television, I guess,
2: Right, years ago, ago, when you were beginning to... In fact, uh, I should have had much more happen along those lines by this time, but uh, the the people around me, the manager I had at that time, uh, I don't know, he uh, he didn't think I was serious or something, and he just kind of just didn't pay any attention to it, and I finally had to... Just change the whole team as it were you know and, and get guys who were kind of wired into where i want to go and who can get me there now that is the case and we're working hard on it it still takes time i have to do the college conferences they have these regional conferences of bookers from colleges that, they're more or less auditions which i don't mind doing because uh, i can cover like 80 or 90 colleges at once and uh, and have a better chance, but I'll you know, I'll just have to work up to it and uh, let the word get out that I'm doing things that they like there. That you can't just expect them to, to want me because I want to go there.
0: How, well, uh, that one of the things I was going to ask you was how many, you know, in, in a given uh engagement like this, for instance, how much do you change your material from one show to the next? I know there's some some comedians who will do almost identically the same show, show after show, there are others who can, will you know, vary each, even though they do the same things, vary at each time they do it.
2: Well, one you of the know. uh <clears throat> one of the things about my current change, which has like been in process for about a year and a half or so, one of those things has been uh, a getting away from a, a standard set. I used, to, I used to be a rapper a long time ago, and, in the, and a coffee house comic, uh, before television discovered me. Then when they did, I wrote all these little five- and six-minute hunks and bits that were really nice little gems, well-polished, and my show then in nightclubs became five or six of these little gems with a few interconnecting lines. Well, I finally got tired of that and couldn't let them grow anymore. That there was just it was too rigid, so I began to let myself break through into the material again and have my own personality come out and that has been part of it. so the answer to your question, in a roundabout way is that, yeah, they're different every time. Even some of the set pieces have little variations. But there's a great deal of skeletal framework that I can rely on and certain jokes that I want to be in every show because they're things that that I want to say and have heard, you know.
0: Yeah, but some of it depends on just how you think the audience is going to follow Absolutely. line. Now,
2: yes, On i a gig like this. I, I came in here last night and uh, realized I couldn't really do what I've been doing lately in the coffee houses. Uh, I just felt it would jar the room too much to open with it. It's a routine about what happened to me in Las Vegas when I was censored there. And uh, I just felt uh, what I want to do here with these folks is, is to win them over and have them dig this new thing I'm doing. And in order to do that, the best thing is to lay the groundwork so that they'll be in that frame. So I changed my opening and kind of, as I say, tried to win them over first and get them confident in me. See, it's an amazing thing, even with the uptight kind of audiences that you'll find in most nightclubs if they believe in you, if they really think that, that you kind of have this love feeling and, and I don't mean you go on talking about love, that's the last thing you should do. But they get that feeling and if, if they trust you, you can really do almost anything with them. But those first 10 minutes are very crucial because they, uh, they're used to making snap judgments and if, if they make the wrong one there, it takes you 20 minutes to get them over it.
0: What uh, did happen in Las Vegas?
2: In Las Vegas, I said uh, shit in my act, which I had said for 30 days in Las Vegas and on the 31st day, the wrong person heard it under the wrong circumstances, and I was fired, and not paid either for the remaining time, which you're supposed to be on a pay-or-play contract. Uh, the Lord takes a long time, I guess, but May, you finally got fired this past few months, and uh, oh, was, he was uh, the one who did it to me, so oh, it, was. It, it took a while, and I, I must say I took mine better than he took his, but... Uh, that's what happened in Las Vegas.
0: What happened? Uh, I also read something in... China Lake Wisconsin. Right, well, no, that was
2: a Playboy club, and that was a slightly different situation, although basically, underneath it all, they're tied together. It has to do with me trying to break out of the mold and them trying to resist that. Uh, in Vegas, it was a matter of uh, a show that wasn't going over well, but it was material I had used all through the run. In Wisconsin, I had only had two nights in the run, but it was also material I had used the night before and on the dinner show. But what happened in Wisconsin was they objected to my political lines. I have things about Muhammad Ali and Vietnam and then Agnew and Nixon and the leadership and everything. And they they accepted the Las Vegas story about shit, and they accepted the hair poem, which I have a a little poem and, and a little talk about hair. But they would not go for the other stuff. It turned them off. And instead of just being silent, they got mad and yelled and said all sorts of things, began to get up and ask for their money back. Some were talking, we just a lot of them didn't know what to do. They were just making noise and, and yelling things at me, which I tried to answer some of them, uh, smart ass, and I tried to answer some of them straight. I, I tried to struggle for control, you know, and uh, I couldn't certainly go back and do a dopey dance for them. I couldn't go back and do Al sleep the hippy-dippy weatherman, to try to win them over. I was stuck with what I was doing. So I just kept flailing on, and, and nothing was working and everything, and then I did my thing about the priorities in this country blah, 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 and they didn't care for anything you know so I left kind of cool giving the peace sign and and, and uh, walked out through the audience so that they, I didn't want them to think that they had you know intimidated me although I had to leave I couldn't continue
0: the uh, uh, again you mentioned the show about Las Vegas Was was it and uh, just an excuse to
2: no in Las Vegas what happened was uh, most of the nights you have a general audience some nights you have special group 200 from Christ corporation were in that night 200 or 300 perhaps and they were all winners of local sales uh contests in selling cars now if you know anything about car salesmanship and my brother was in it for a long time these guys were the deadliest cats at it selling cars is burying people under notes and being very ruthless about it and these were the best ones at that who were gathered in this nightclub and uh i was doing my again my normal show but uh, they took exception to it, and a couple of them yelled. One of them yelled, uh, Yeah, it's not very funny. And uh, Well, we don't think you're funny, or something like that. And I said, Well, do you think I really care about that? And uh, we got into a little dialogue, which was stupid for me to do, but uh, I got into it with them, and, and it just encouraged them. They were just bullies, and they were somewhat juiced, and they were going to destroy this bearded comic on stage, and they did it. You know, it was kind of mob psychology with them. But because they were offended... The hotel fired me, largely because okay. of the bad manners of the audience. Although, as I say, uh, they told me it was because I said shit. And Buddy Hackett said it every night, and I said it every night for a month. You know.
0: But that, the fact that uh, that, that play, Playboy Club didn't uh, I mean, blackball you at... at no, I can, or...
2: uh, Hugh Hefner was uh, rather interesting when I told him about it, because I, I referred him to the Playboy philosophy yeah. section on censorship. Uh-huh. And he said, well, I have two hats. One is uh, half the guy in the audience who would have loved it, and the other is half the businessman that has to deal with these middle-class folks. And uh, so that was his stand. And officially the, the company said, well, the clubs are fairly semi-autonomous, and, uh, and they get, you know, one of them won't hurt you anywhere else. So here I am at San Francisco. I may come back here, too, if over the whole week I, I really think the... Uh, you know, that I can be allowed to do my thing here. This would be also like a Mr. Kelly's, a place where I would make an exception and like to come occasionally for a week.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering uh, what there is around here, you know. Besides, besides Right, except yeah. colleges. You know, well, it would which, have to be, yeah. Coffee houses, I don't There's really no
2: money in coffee houses, but you can, of course, make up for that at, in concert situations. The concert situation is such a much better paying thing than nightclubs that you can afford to really do some coffee houses. To keep your chops and to keep that good communication level in a smaller room that that is so much
0: fun really for me so you can kind of balance it off that way and uh, get them both done There's certainly uh, in berkeley uh, the community theater there is is has uh, something probably three or four times a week yeah good stuff coming through
2: i'm just going to keep
0: getting into those
2: uh places and, and let the word get around of course the material has to develop i've only for two or three months now been really actively working toward writing material and doing material that is about today, about the truth, about what's going down. And uh, I know from my past experience that given a year of this kind of concentration and attention uh, that I'm really going to have, this is modest, but it's true, I'm really going to have some fire out and find things that I'll be doing. And so I know that as a year or so goes by, a lot of it will snowball and I, you know, I can get some of these things. Right now, I don't have a single concert to tell you about, but I intend
0: to have them. Just to, to bounce back a little bit, uh, what you were on a, a summer television series, what, the year before that? No, no.
2: In 66, was I was it in... Was that long Yes, ago? and in 67, I was co-host of one. Yeah, one was with John Davidson and one was with Buddy Greco. Yeah, how, 67.
0: how did that fit into your development? What, what kind of material did you do then? Did you well, do any, the, the little five- and six-minute yes. bits that you were what was talking happening about?
2: to me then was that I was in the midst of that. I had uh, the Merv Griffin show broke me loose in 65 with my Indian sergeant, the newscast, wonderful wino, daytime television, and the commercials bits. And uh, they, were, they were all groovy, and, I, and they became, as I say, my nightclub act. And then when I would go on variety guest shots, I would do one of them. And I would, the news and the wino were always able to change and grow a little. The others were kind of stuck. I kept then going into television. That became my specialty. Well, I'll be the guy who makes fun of TV. That was what I thought to myself. That will be a way to go. A comic needs an identity. So I went after all the various shows. It even got to the point when, when I had exhausted so many of them that I did a, I did a thing on the late-night uh, prisoners where they show the FBI list of wanted men. I did a whole takeoff on that, what it would look like if they jazzed it up as a, as a variety show. and called it the J. Edgar Hoover Show, and they showed you the guy's picture, and they did a song and everything. But, I mean, that's how far I took television. So the, and it was fun doing all of those things. But eventually, of course, even though there were a million different parts of television to soundarize, it all began to sound the same to me. Uh, that was the middle of that period, then, was 67, when the network put me on during the summer with Buddy Greco and Buddy Rich taking Gleason's place. And they gave us these writers from the 19th century. Oh, that's part was, of the deal. These old guys, yeah. Who I, I had to fight all summer. I had to do a little bit of their things improved somewhat and i'm i'm very frank about those things i think i do this well and i think some other guys i've, I've seen don't and, and i'm honest about it and i had to change a lot but i i survived this it was weird because buddy greco and buddy rich are both kind of like um if you know what i mean killer guys man they're very heavyweight kind of personality guys man and, and for me as a new comic and a youngster in the business and all that it was really just to stay alive was uh good <laughs> that summer what about uh records I have one album from three years ago, which I'm happy to say still stands up, man, and uh, I'm doing another one now. I I was originally planning to do some in the studio because I have a lot of things I want to do that don't require audiences or nightclub situations. They're just funny things to put on, like Sign. Oh, yeah. Because they're kind of things. Well, I had some things in mind like that, but now I've decided the next one should be my act again because the act has changed so much because I I want to get all these new things onto it. So the next album, uh, which I should have... Done in about two months and out in about three will be uh, what I'm doing now in the clubs. I have a, you know, I have the whole thing planned in my mind. Then after that, I, I want to
0: kind of goof around
2: with it.
0: How do you go about uh, now choosing what you're going to do and, and working on it? You just let all of the things that happen during the day bombard you, and, and the ones,
2: uh, from your experience, from my own experience as a comic, I, I know which ones perhaps, in some cases I know which ones... Uh, fruitless to, to follow, but then there are others where I, I know that's good. I, I keep a lot of notes, but I edit frequently and I throw out things that uh, that I would think of anyway. The only thing I save is something I would never think of again. I found that out. You can save a lot of things that you would normally think of again, and you don't need to You say, what's that? You said, well, I would have thought of that if I was writing that. Throw it away. But uh, I, I have a little hand recorder, and, and I keep the ideas because uh, they, they really uh, it's like a file. You can go to the folder and say, alright, i got a folder. i got a lot of lines on drugs in here, and, uh, you know, I, so I'm going to, now I'm going to write my drug bit, and I'll, I'll just look at all these lines I've had over the last year, and I'll think about it more, and, you know,
0: it really works. One of the things, uh, uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago, it just struck me, watching a Bob Hope television show, at, at how much television commercials have influenced the language. I mean, pra- it seemed to me practically every joke in that show was just a, you know, a twist on some... Familiar uh, uh, advertising slogan, a, yeah. A ...commercial, and uh, it seems to me a pretty, pretty bankrupt... Yeah, what um, I always tried to do with it was um,
2: just to be the best at it. I mean, I knew everybody was making fun of commercials, but there was a good reason for it. It's a great common denominator. Uh, it's a thing where everyone in your audience will agree with your position. They mostly hate them and dislike them for various reasons. And uh, so that was that's an obvious reason for comics to go for them. I always tried to keep my comments cut above the ordinary. You know, I guess everyone feels that way, but uh, I, uh, I still have things about deodorants that I get into. But now, instead of talking... Instead of imitating TV commercials about deodorants, I'm really talking about the American hang-up on odors and how that reflects our uh, puritanical backgrounds, and it's really a lot more fun. Meanwhile, I get all the familiar commercial things done for their heads. You
0: know? Yeah, I was really, uh, I wasn't re- reflecting on what you were doing, but uh, just the fact that, you know, I don't think it was so much the fact that it was making fun of a commercial, but just using something familiar to get a laugh by putting it in a different situation. Right. It got to be such a tired thing. It, yes. it seemed to me the writers couldn't think of anything new, but giving a a twist to, you know, using a formula, which I guess most of those, uh, as you refer to the 19th century.
2: I'm really amazed that there are new young writers around TV. The Smothers helped some new ones get going, and Cal Burnett has a couple of uh, younger people on their staff, and and there are some younger people, but there are also these guys who have been doing it for so long, and all I want to do is, is tell you stories. You know, one thing I hate about show business people, and the reason I don't hang around with them mostly is because they always want to tell you stories. All they ever want to do is tell you some story that happened, and even if it's not a famous guy in it, they want to tell you this, and they want to hear themselves talk. And I get so tired of that, man. And that's the way really these writers were. They just they want to tell you about how, oh, this time Milton Burley didn't like the sketch, you know? Well, we had this sketch, and Milton didn't like it. Well, Milton says, I don't like it. You know what I mean?
0: Well,
1: anyway,
0: it's just really such a bother. Is it difficult for, new, for young writers to get... Uh in the business like it is for say in film directors are there union and guild problems or
2: i don't think the, no the, the problems are in uh, there are so few spots and there are so many probably that would like to to be heard and then again those whoever knows when guys are being hired for that you know like if there's a fall show kind of the average person who wanted to break in wouldn't really know how to do it the uh the only thing that happens is like a Smothers comes along or a Ronan Martin's or somewhere where they say, okay, cool, we're hiring young creative people, we're going to build them and grow with them and all that. There is more of that, fortunately. There are better situations.
0: Uh, what, uh, maybe this is a corny question, but uh, yeah, are there any comedians who've influenced you or who yeah. were your you know, people you really dug when you were young?
2: Yeah, you were, and I have
0: like different sets of them.
2: Uh, my first set of uh, comedian uh, that I liked and, and influenced me, I think, uh, were like Danny Kaye in the movies, uh, Spike Jones on records, the Marx Brothers in the movies, then Martin and Lewis. Now that starts a new era of, I was a little older, Martin and Lewis, and then that leads into like Ernie Kovacs, Bob and Ray. Oh yeah. And then that leads into Jonathan Winters, Lenny Bruce, Mort Saul, Lord Buckley. Uh, there are there are a lot of guys that that don't do especially inventive or or great original comedy that I like because they make me laugh too. You know, I mean, I kind of tend to want to hear new things and guys that are really doing something different and saying something. But I'm also an ordinary human being who laughs at funny things when a good comic gets on. So there are guys like that who do it to me. You know, but uh, Lenny. Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul were very influential early on when I had a partner, Jack Burns, who later went with Avery Schreiber. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, Well, Jack and I had a team, and and Mort helped get us started, and Lenny helped us. Lenny got us our first agency contract. I used to do an impression of Lenny and Mort in the act ten years ago. Mm -hmm. I did my Lenny and Mort, and they came in to see it, and so they helped us a little. And I kind of tried to stay in touch with uh, Lenny and knew him a little bit. I knew his mother a little better, I think, Sally. She's funny. And, um, and they always had a strong influence I always felt that that was eventually what I'd like to do even while I was even while I was detoured into the other thing I was trying to find out and test the limits and see how much TV would let me do where they'd let me go would they give me m- my show uh, and uh, now I've come around to where I can at least talk about some of the same subjects Martin Lenny talked about and I'd love to uh, accomplish some of the things that Lenny set out to accomplish, that is, to make people more comfortable with themselves. That's really all it is.
0: I think, in a, in, in a way, a lot
2: of that has happened. Oh, indeed, um, yeah. I mean, and it's such a shame that Lenny didn't just arrive at this period now,
0: the 68, 69, '70. Certainly in San Francisco, uh, uh, from what I've seen, at least there's not the taboo about words and, oh, and right. language, and people don't get arrested for saying things so Right. like he did. Uh, did you... Did you grow up in New York? You from yeah, there?
2: Upper West Side of Manhattan, around Harlem, Columbia University, Juilliard. Good influences, good childhood vibes, a lot of good people kind of people, a strong funk. Um, and we were into uh, some of the agriculture situation, which is only recently. Uh, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was a teenager in 52. Let's see, in 52 I was 15 years old. I had smoked grass two years before that. So that what I'm trying to say to you is that it was a neighborhood that, even though it was that long ago, the neighborhood was into, into grass. I'm happy to say.
0: And uh, what? Uh, where did you? Oh, begin I quit watching? high school.
2: Quit high school at uh, 17. Uh, I really I wanted to be an active comedian Im- imitator. I didn't know what. I knew that disc jockeying could help me get there. My mother had got me a tape recorder, and I worked with it a lot. And I and I really dug production and, and speaking, you know. And I quit high school so that I could, again, the same kind of reasons that you hear about today, man. It was it was irrelevant, it was boring, and I was I was beyond much of the work, and it was uh, it was had nothing to do with the world I was going into, and so I left, man. And I went in the air force, figuring when I got out, at that time, of course. You didn't shirk your, uh, your draft thing yet. Now, unfortunately, that wasn't part of, uh, of the thinking of young people at that time. To me, what I was doing was getting my Air Force over so they wouldn't draft me at 22. That was the problem in New York. They had so many cats that you didn't get drafted until 22 or three, right when you were getting it on. So I wanted to do it up and get it over with, and I went in the Air Force. My mother signed me in. I, instead of having to wait till I got out to go on the GI Bill for disc jockey school, I found a station while I was in that let me work down in Louisiana. I worked off base at a number one top 40 station. So I was, uh, I was 18 when I started my jock career, and I still stayed two years in the Air Force. So I got a lot done at the same time. I, and when I got out, I was 20, and I had two years in radio, and I had my service obligation out of the way, as we called it. <laughs> it's such a funny phrase, my service obligation. Right, anyway, and then um, the disc jockeying was for four years, and that led to meeting a guy in radio, Jack Burns, funny cat, and we were, we were funny together, so we said, hey, let's do a team. And we did that for two years. And then uh, I became a single in 62 at the uh, Gator Horn.
0: Um, When you mentioned what kinds of things you can do on television, what what kinds of things have you been not allowed to do? Well, it's not so much that. Of course, there
2: is that. Uh, But what I really meant when I said that was there's no place to experiment on television. I'd like to do uh, a kind of a variety talk information uh, comedy show that uh, that is really very uh, kind of a very different format and a very loose thing that, that they wouldn't ever bother to take a gamble with and then especially CBS wanted me to do a series for like a year or so and we as they say we looked around and looked around for an idea and a property and, and tried to develop something and this was my last fling with them I, I was going to say well let's see if they'll really do something that that I want to do And we tried one thing about a a guy who managed their small radio station and it didn't work. And then then what happened was Mary Tyler Moore and Andy Griffith and Dick Van Dyke all announced at once they were coming back to television. And guess where that put me (laughs) on the list at CBS? So I said, well, screw that. I didn't really want to do that anyway and I was just kind of hoping. So let me go ahead and and, and finish, you know, growing and and be who I am. that's when I I went ahead and I... uh, grew my beard and decided to to say more in my act. It was really like a decision that had been smoldering a while, and that gave me a chance to go ahead and do it.
0: You know, they, they, CBS seems to be a, uh, about the least original of the networks as far as trying out something new. They usually yeah. try something tried and true. Uh,
2: Bandwagonsville, right? If you can come up with something about, like... Uh, it's amazing how the country uh or country or hillbilly whatever you want to call that particular thing how, how that dominates so much television and especially at cbs when you think of hee-haw glenn campbell and uh junction and green acres and beverly hillbillies there's, there's really a lot of it man it's uh i haven't
0: i could never make fun of television anymore because i can't stand to watch it i was going to say uh, when you were doing these things, uh, imitations, you must have watched an awful lot yeah i and
2: uh, and i always when i do watch you know that thing about watching a campy movie or an old movie that's oh yeah. Bad. yeah Well, i watch most of television really thinking about how terribly like amateur night at high school most of it is it's it's sad because it's such a fantastic invention man it, a thing comes into your home it tells you stuff and shows you pictures and look what we're done with it <laughs> we haven't done anything with it incredible that'll change hopefully that will change if things stay together long enough it, uh, because satellites and cable TV and, and uh, demand broadcasting and, and
0: one of the cassettes.
2: Right? Yeah, well, I was thinking
0: of, of CATV, uh, you know, when you were talking about what you yeah. wanted to do. Maybe that's a possibility. Of course, uh, I mean, it's moving so that the same people who own and control the networks now are moving yeah. to control that uh, medium, too. Right. And, and cassettes, of course, there are so many different things planned, but... Uh, CBS's plan is again something that they will control because they make and distribute right. them. It's not a thing you can do in here at home. Although I guess there will be that kind of uh,
2: I think there I think really. there'll be less and less ability of, of large groups of anything to control stuff as the years go along. Unless we all get wiped out.
0: I mean, it's really uh, when you think about that's it, really what happened to radio. It turned into records and and yeah. I can't. Well, everybody can't do an album. At least it's a lot easier for someone to do an album that would have been for them to get a radio show. Right. Right. Absolutely. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think is the biggest problem in, uh, in America? Is that uh, an unfair question?
2: It's, uh, it's, I guess it's fair. Uh, the biggest problem is values. That's all. The, uh, the, the newer kind of human beings that are being born during this technological rush are indeed newer types of human beings and their values are different and there's a real terrible clash because so many people are still alive. In other words, the change came so quickly in technology and in what has happened to the planet and the people that there are now, on at the same time alive, people with vast different experiences. It used to be a whole many lifetimes would go by before a father and son had different experiences. Now it's an incredibly different experience, a father and a son and a son and a son. Within 40 years, Like it's, it's fantastic. So... The big problem is, is the values that are uh, that are being threatened by that, and and, and many of them should be, obviously, <laughs> and uh, and then there are some that uh, probably shouldn't disappear altogether. The big problem is deciding uh, what are,
0: which ones we want to retain. I think. What kind of material about Nixon do you use in, in your
2: your? I must say that as far as Nixon himself is concerned, I haven't really gotten in to him. It's more been things about. <clears throat> Things about the Vietnam shtick in general, and then I refer to him in this, insofar as he is uh, he's now the guy who has to, you know, do the thing. Uh, the things I've developed the most up to now, which are new and which are kind of, um, you know, what would you, what, what are we talking about? This kind of comedy, social satire, social commentary, whatever, uh, are um, a drug rap, uh, a thing about. and, and, uh, conspicuous consumption concerning, uh, what we sell in novelty stores. We sell fake vomit and we sell little pieces of dog crap and there are people who have to walk by that don't have enough food that day, you know, and, and there's a long thing about it and how do you sell and buy dog crap and some of the theory that must go into it. And, uh, there is, um, there is stuff about, uh, hair, clay, Vietnam. You heard some of these things tonight, somewhat edited in some cases because, uh, uh, these, you know, the folks here don't really. I don't know whether it is whether they don't understand or don't like, but there's certain things that I'm just best avoiding while I'm here.
0: What about films? Yeah, I'd uh, I, I'd like to write them. Have you done? That's another question. I did. One. Have you done? Have you
2: written for? No, I haven't done any writing outside of my own material. But I, I have a film I'm writing now. I hope someone will like it and, and make it sometime. You know, when I finish it, it's not a thing I can do every day because I'm trying to get this other thing working. When I can, I work on it. I'd like to do that eventually write a film, a play, a couple of films, a book that can turn into a film. I've really found out in the last two years that the thing I enjoy most is writing these ideas out. Delivering them from a stage is second to that. It's nice to be able to deliver your own material, but it's so much better now, I've found, to be able to sit and write it. The thing I want most is to say how I feel, not so much uh, out loud as as just to have it written out. And uh, I don't know, I'm 33. If I could do my comedy thing for five or six or seven more years and really feel I had gotten a lot of that out of my system on stage and everything, then I could really concentrate on writing and, and have a have a career at that. And it's, it's the most independent thing. You can do it anywhere in the world, and that's what I love about it. And uh, those would be my general plans. I really do want to try this concert thing and, and try to establish that reputation and do it for several years and really just be able to do it for nice audiences and groovy, nice heads and big audiences, you know. But uh, but I know I'll tire of that, and uh, and then I think the, the answer would be writing only.
0: Judging by the material I saw, even though the audience didn't uh, take it too all, well tonight, yeah. take it all in, uh, I, I think you've got a good uh, future in that uh, well, that line. Thank
2: you. Yeah, you got to just keep working. But it's fun work, you know, that's the nice thing. What's your job? Oh, thinking up funny stuff. What a great job! so I'm, I'm at least happy in that you know and then as i get to say it crazy hope that you get a chance to come back
0: to san francisco maybe you can you know, and have a place where you can say it and, and are received well
2: good well thank you i'll be looking forward to it. it's certainly one place that i you know i won't want to miss right yeah. i was driving around today i went to mount tam and i was over to the beach and looking around there it's so good for you here man it really is yeah.
0: thank you very much
2: thank you my pleasure
1: To tell you things are bad, everybody knows things are bad, everybody everybody is it. is bad. It's, a it's a depression,
3: in this lifetime
1: you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself, but it ain't about, it's about how, hard you, hard, how you hard, hard you get, it's about, it's about, hard. about it's how hard you get, they get. get. They they keep, they
3: keep moving forward, moving how forward. You can how take, take. take. it, keep moving forward, forward. that's how we do. yes we can, I wanted to run out of that tunnel, for my dad. To prove to everyone what? Public Access America. Yes, we can. On SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and now Facebook. Public, Public Access America. America. History, in, History the making. in the making. 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 History, History in the making. In the making. Public Access America is on Twitter now for some reason. We will tweet and you will miss them. But follow Public Access America anyway on
1: Twitter at Public Access Pod. Uh, As I say, the Indians were good fighters. and, And if this is so, they must have been well organized. There must have been a way to divide their manpower. It wasn't just one old chief, many moon come, Choctaw, and a lot of guys running. (laughs) There had to be intermediate authority, a way to divide their manpower. No army can make it without a sergeant, a tough veteran battle-hardened sergeant, and the Indians were no exception. All right, all the tall guys over by the trees. (laughs) Fat guys down behind the rocks. with the beads out of line. <laughs> all right, knock off the horseplay. Come on, knock off the horseplay. Come on, you guys over there playing with the horse. Will you knock it off? You've <laughs> all been given a piece of birch bark and an eagle dipped in feathers blood. I mean a feather dipped in ink. <laughs> I always like to say something wrong so you'll feel at ease. <laughs> we want you to write on the birch bark in the upper right hand corner. <laughs> and that's the upper right hand corner. That's your arrow hand. <laughs> we want you to write your name. Last name first, first name last. Your name is Running Bear? You write uh, Bear, running.
2: <laughs>
1: By the way, you guys with middle initials, please include them, such as uh, Wolf, Howling W. We <laughs> you need your uh, name, we want your age in summers. I've been alive for 14 summers, you put down 14 summers. You've been alive for 16 summers, you put, yes, prancing antelope. <laughs> if you were born in the winter, put it down. There's one in every village. All right, a lot of you have been asking me about the promotion list. You'd like to make brave second class, like to get another scar up on your arm. I'm happy to say the results of your early tests have come in. You're doing beautifully. Burning settlers' homes, everybody passed. Imitating a coyote, everybody passed. (laughs) Sneaking quietly through the woods, everybody passed, except limping ox. (laughs) However, uh, limping ox is being fitted with a pair of corrective moccasins. (laughs) He uh, he should be up and dancing in no time at all. Now, there are two other areas on which you will be tested. Running down the hill, yelling like a nut. And leaping off the cliff. Leaping off the cliff is generally considered to be the tougher of the two. A lot of fellas like to save that one for last. I got a couple other announcements for you here. First of all, the fertility rights have been called off. Due to the recent cold wave. <laughs> there will be a rain dance Friday night. <laughs> weather permitting. <laughs> Got a great band, great band. Leaping Lizard and the All Stars will be there. all <laughs> your favorite tunes, Pass That Peace Pipe, Indian Love Call, only. Some tunes you've come to know and love. I got one other item goes on your clothing list. That is your loin cloth. <laughs> and that appears on your list as one each, cloth, loin type. <laughs> right there is your loin cloth. You'll want to get to know and love your loin cloth. <laughs> Someday it may save your life. <laughs> It'll be a massacre tonight at nine o'clock. Me <laughs> down by the bonfire, I would dance around a little and move out. This is the fourth straight night we've attacked the fort. However, tonight it will not be as easy. Tonight, there will be soldiers in the fort. (laughs) Happy to say I'll be leading the massacre. I'll be down front running. You'll see me. I'm the one that's on fire. (laughs) And your equipment, your uniform of the day, this here is a class A formal massacre. That's the class A summer loincloth. Two green stripes over the eye, no feather. (laughs) <laughs> Arms are blue, legs are red, chest is optional. Might put a little yellow on the bellies. And your equipment, three large knives, three small knives, three medium-sized knives, two rock tomahawks, two shale tomahawks, five spears, three bows, and 30 arrows. Now, if any of this equipment is not used tonight, please make sure it is returned to the souvenir shop by tomorrow morning. <laughs>
3: Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.